We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. We are back, and it feels like we've been doing one long-ass show for the past week because it is boxing again today. It is going to be a good one, though. We're going to talk about Canelo versus Charlo. Who? (laughs) We're going to talk about me being right. How about that? Everyone who came from my neck on Sean Porter's podcast, we're going to talk about this. So we're going to discuss... Uh, the event itself, we're going to discuss everything around it. I know we recorded on Friday because we're on media row, but we'll talk about everything that happened on Saturday going forward. We're going to talk about big Charlo showing up for his bro, what that relationship means. We're going to talk about a couple of these fights that are like lingering after there. Um, and some of the fallout from this and everything we experienced in the boxing world. So man, Dre, First and foremost, nothing. I think the funniest thing I've seen this past weekend is Cam and Mace breaking down the Charlo fight <laughs> and being thoroughly disappointed. Yeah, how could you Ma- not be? Yo, Cam was really upset with Mace that he drug him to this fight and Charlo didn't do anything. And he was like, yo, their rant about big Charlo showing up and doing nothing when Caleb Plant showed up had me in tears because the whole time when we saw Caleb Plant showed up, you were like, yo, Caleb's here. He's here. <laughs> and then you just see Jamal Charlo like walking around. I was like, he really ain't going to do nothing. No, he ain't going to do shit. You got to get some get back. No, you don't. He doesn't. He knows what he did was wrong. No, it's on video. You can't. That's his bad. It doesn't matter whether you know it's wrong. Everybody knows shit is wrong. Dog, he, you can't slap me in public. I'm surprised Jamal showed up. Period. He showed up to weigh-ins and it was like, <gasps> yes, he's got issues. Him and his brother are beefing. Yeah, they apparently buried the hatchet. Even though that that hug, I don't think they buried the hatchet. Great. I don't. I don't think none of that stuff is over. Like I think they're brothers, so he's going to show up for his brother. But I'm pretty sure that these two ain't getting along. No. They ladies fought each other. Yeah, that's when it's real. That's and some like baddies, yeah. Las Vegas type. And it, clearly they haven't been like on the same, same wavelength for several years now. Going to different gyms. You don't really see them talking to each other that often. They don't yeah. talk about each other that often. If, shit, I don't have no, no siblings. If it was you and we went somewhere. Yes. You got smacked. I'm jumping in. Oh, you, you have to. Right. That's your brother. Your you brother just got smacked. Slap. Yeah. But, you know, he's fucking with Caleb Plant. I, I told him, leave that white boy alone. Damn, that's like Whitlock slapping me. Yeah. yeah. And we just not doing it. We all going to jail. That's it. Ain't no fair ones. Yeah, we all going to jail. It's not like it's someone that you don't know. It's like an active competitor. Yeah. Someone I mean, you talk shit about before. Hey, look, what we learned about the Charlos in general this weekend is they're all barking no bite. And that's what I was getting to when I went on Sean Porter's podcast and people were like, oh, so you don't have Charlo in your top 10 pound for pound. And even then I was generous by saying, yeah, he's 11 or 12. But the resume 
even though he's an undisputed champion and everything, he won undisputed, in my opinion, in the easiest division to do so at that time. Now, is 154 what it was then? No, 154 is a lot better. 160 is a lot worse than it was at that time when he was collecting belts. 160, you still had Triple G there. You weren't just running through 160 and becoming a champion. Well, it's Triple G and, like, that's it. No, yeah, Demetrius, you still had to fight him. I mean, nobody fought him, though. No, but he was a champion. Like, the road wasn't as easy at Undisputed as it may seem. You had Charlo. I mean, Charlo, who was a champion. So if it was that easy, he would have ran through everyone. He did not. Let me ask you this. The path that Terrence Crawford went to being undisputed at junior welterweight. Yes. It's pretty easy. It's one of the easiest I've seen. Didn't take away from his greatness, though. No, he was a champion at 135 already. Yeah. Went up. Cool. Stopped everyone at 40. Mm -hmm. Outside of one person, I believe. Stopped everyone to collect those belts. Went up to 147, grabbed a belt. Then he was top pound for pound guy. No, I, all that's fine. I'm just my saying that thing the is, division was weak. Yes, my biggest thing. And even if it is a weak division, like in a way, if people want to say it's a weak division, Donaire was old, whatever. You can say that, right? Yeah. Cool. He didn't lose. He was dominant throughout that weak ass division. If you want to say that. Right. Crawford did not lose. He dominated everyone throughout that weak ass division. Right. And Gamboa, every, Everyone dominated them, stacked his highlight reel because the division was weak. Charlo did not dominate 154. No, he, he just lost, yeah. ran it back, got the win off a knockout in a fight that was pretty nicely contested before. But cool, got the knockout, fought Castaño, got a draw in a fight I thought he lost. But even then, it's a draw, and then came out and handled business. So you got one loss and a draw in a division no one can say was stacked. No. Castaño, and if we're doing 54 versus 60, it might be a little bit better still than what Crawford went through. But again, he didn't struggle when he went through it. But if you're looking at 54 and 60 at the time, Castaño and Tony Harrison are not Boo Boo, and they are not Triple G. No, If we're comparing him and his brother's paths when they both get their first championship. There's a reason why Big Charlo is not on a dispute and Little Charlo is. It was an easier path. It was an easier division. Everyone stayed at 47 because the money was there. But honestly, Arrow could have moved up, cleaned that whole shit out. Yeah. But uh, Thurman might have been able to move up and put in some work. Maybe. Lara moved up. He's looked good at 54. You know, so it's one of those things where, no, I don't, I don't think it was the hardest division. He stumbled through it. Didn't dominate a fairly easy division. Yeah, no, I was like, yo, I looked at his past six fights, five fights at the time. He was five, one, and one. And one of those were a gift to me. And I was like, well, no, nah, he's not in the top 10. He's fringe. Because no. I can't take away what he did do. But he's not better than the other 10 because he didn't dominate his way through it. And then now we, we saw an opportunity. I get you dared to be great. That's fine. All you had to do was show up and fight. Give it all you got. He showed up, danced, collected a check. After it was like, well, I want Crawford in my weight division. I was like, yo, did this shit really happen? Like what? Nothing there screams pound for pound. Because even when you go up, if you lose, Canelo went up and lost. He gave it his best effort. There's weight classes for a reason. He tried in that fight. He took a lot of punches, a lot of damage in that fight because he went in there and Bivol was just that good. You can't say the same thing about Charlie. No, he, he put up a stinker. It was, uh, man, I'm getting killed on Instagram by, <laughs> by, the, by the Mexican community specifically because I posted that video and you saw me post it. Yeah. I was like, we learned nothing about Canelo, right? Through sure. this fight. Uh, still the champ. He's still... Canelo, but we learned nothing about him. People are like, you're hating. No, I'm not. <laughs> it, it, it pissed me off because it's still going right now, right? I think it was like 600 comments. It's something crazy. The organic reach of this fight is mind-blowing. It was. Because the Mexican community came out like, I don't know if it's because he didn't fight on his usual date, a Mexican Independence Day. Two weeks, and I swear to God, it's, it's like they hadn't seen Canelo in two years. Yeah, they went nuts. Nuts. But so... 
I'll start with Canelo and then we'll go to Charlo. Sure. All week, first of all, four rounds. He wasn't. I told you he wasn't going to get knocked. I told you it started well, but I told you what was going to happen. Yeah. As soon as he figured out, oh, this ain't going my way, he's going to go into survival mode. That's yes, exactly yeah. what he did. Hundred percent. And Canelo's not a big combination puncher. He's not big. This is the lowest output he's ever had in a twelve round fight, which is crazy because he landed a lot. And you look at Charlo. To his credit, one thing I will say, he had a chin. Yeah, I mean, sure. He got hit with a couple that was like. Ooh. I mean, sure, but so. Before heading into this fight, I said the two storylines were, is Canelo deteriorating? Yep. Is he on the back end of his career? And how good can Charlo handle this weight? Those are the two storylines. Now, the deterioration story, we, we don't know because Canelo wasn't tested. So if I'm trying to get into a university, right, and it was like, well, you got to take the SATs to figure out if you're good enough to get into our university. And you give me a first grade uh, spelling test with four-letter words, and I ace it, I don't know how good you are to get in my university because the level of competition just wasn't there. That's what Jamel Charlo was. It's like a first grade, like spelling test. And Canelo didn't have to exert much energy. Didn't have to worry about what was coming back Threw when he wanted to. He never had to like Charlo punched when he was out of range. He did everything wrong in that fight and then showed up and did nothing. So when I said we didn't learn anything about Canelo is there was nothing to learn. We don't, he wasn't test. He wasn't pushed. He didn't do anything different than if he was sparring a heavy bag with legs. That was it. So there was nothing to learn. And people were like, oh, you're hating. No, I'm not. I don't know how good Canelo is right now. I can't, I can't figure it out. Like, he never threw more than a three-punch combination that entire fight. Like, I watched, and I was paying very close attention. I was like, he doesn't throw more than three punches in a combination. He doesn't spend that much energy. But I don't know if it's by design, if it was because Charlo was running, or what. But it's his lowest punch output in his entire career in a 12-round fight. 352 punches, I think he threw. That's less than the Lara fight. That's less than the Ryder fight. That's less than Golovkin. That's less than Bivol. It's the lowest punch output. He just conserved energy, and he still won. Charlo actually threw more punches than Canelo. But only landed like 17% of his punches. Yeah. So we didn't learn shit about Canelo. So by the time we go into next uh, year's fight where he says he's fighting single de Mayo... And, you know, Canelo's like, the old Canelo's back and, you know, nobody beats this Canelo. Dog, I don't know, because Jamel didn't do anything. The other side of this is Jamel. Bruh. I knew something was wrong when he wasn't talking. Something was up. Because he spent all that time wolfing at media, saying he could beat Canelo. Him and his brother both talked a big game. Last week, we didn't even see Charlo. Canelo did more media than Charlo did. Even at the press conference, Charlo was just nothing but complimentary, right? And then eventually, Canelo was like, I don't like him being fake. He talked all that shit before. <laughs> Where's all that shit now? And he's right. Where was it all now? Yeah. People were very mad at me for posting the shit that Charlo talked beforehand. Because someone was <laughs> I posted on ringside because I, I kept those videos. Right. Because I was like, yo, either he's going to win, and he's going to back all this shit up, or he's going to lose, and I'm going to show that it wasn't right. Like, I was I was gonna use the video no matter which way it went. Right. It just turned out that I used the video and then I swiped. Then I like did a transition to him getting knocked down. And I was like, it's not as easy as it seems because he was like, oh, I could beat Charlo, like, or I could beat Canelo. Yeah. Look, he's slow. I could beat him. And I use that. People were like, oh, he's being so fucked up for posting this. I was like, no, like, okay, so fight week. He convinced y'all that he never said this. Then that's the only thing I can think. Because he was very open and not, like, I didn't make him say this. No, he, he openly, like, he was. For years. I mean, dog. There was a narrative that Canelo was scared to fight the Charlo brothers. He's scared to fight a black fight. We talked about this on this podcast, like, yes, two years ago. And then in, 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 in both Charlos were calling Canelo out. Both of them saying he's slow. Like, saying all the shit Oscar De La Hoya keeps saying on fucking social media, right? Feet are in quicksand. All this nonsense. And Oscar's not totally wrong. I've always been critical of his feet. Yeah. The upper body movement it's, it's that great. makes it doesn't matter. But Oscar's not totally wrong, but he's a hater. But so the Charlos have been chasing this fight, and they've been saying all these things, and when we get close to the fight, he's not saying anything. And I found that to be strange because you got to prove yourself. So this is what it tells me. It tells me that an 18-month layoff, you know, obviously the hand injury's there, but you cashed out. Right. If you watched All Access, you saw him like kicking in cars. Da, da, da. Now he's got more money than he ever got before. Yeah. And it makes me wonder if he's ever going to fight again. 
Because Terrence Crawford don't want that fight. I said that from the beginning. Terrence Crawford ain't going to want no part of Jamel Charlo if he loses. And the way he lost, Terrence like, get the fuck out of here. I'm never going to fight that guy. The only person that'll be interested in fighting Jamel Charlo is Tim Zhu. Yes. And even Tim Zhu was like, that was some bullshit. But that's the only fight that Jamel Charlo has right now. But the real question is, Tim Zhu's getting ready to fight Brian Mendoza. Yep. Right? And he'll be elevated to full WBC champion after that. Jamel has those belts. Who's to say Jamel Charlo fights in a year? He's going to take all that money. He can say what he wants now. When that check clears and that money shows up in his account, I guarantee you he's going to be in no hurry to, to fight again. Because why? Yeah. Like, it's another risk. He has to get back down to 54. That's he's going to fight. Take a while. And Tim Zhu's probably going to be like, fight me in Australia. Right? And Jamel's going to say no. But the thing is, yo, your stock took such a hit after Saturday night. I did a show and they asked me who needs to win more. And I said, Jamel. And people was like, no, nah, Canelo. I was like, no, Canelo's already rich. And I was like, I get what people are saying. It would be a, a shocking loss. Yeah. But I feel like if, if Canelo were to lose, people go, eh. Like the Mexican fans will still love him. He lost a fight. Big deal. He's lost before. Yeah. And it'll be like, okay, he lost. Maybe he's come down a notch, but it ain't over. He'll still make $20 million in his next fight. This was Jamel's only chance to prove to the world that he was who he says he was. And he wasn't. Nobody wants to see this man fight again. Because most people didn't know who he was heading into this fight. And then they saw what he did. And everybody's like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. So if Jamel comes back and tries to demand an $8 million purse, he ain't getting it. Because th- there's no demand to see him fight. Nobody wants to see him fight now. No, he, he kind of needs the Tim Zhu fight. More than Tim Zhu needs to fight him. Because you need that, that platform of, okay, this is why I was undisputed. And you have to give that excuse, whether it's a good excuse or not, of it was just because I was out of my weight class. Sure, you could say that. But- if you go down yeah. and do well against Tim Zhu, it opens up a fight like Crawford again. Possibly. It opens up a fight with a guy, I don't know, maybe, I want to say Spence, but probably not. But a Danny Garcia type fight. Like you, you need to rebuild now, even though all you did was dare to be great, but you did it at the highest level and put out the worst first impression possible. Because to him, he's like, I got a whole career. This isn't a first impression for me. I go out there and sleepwalk and collect this check. But 80%, 90% of people who tuned in never saw you fight before. No. And to them, it was a first impression. And to them, it's like, my man, you're getting dog walked by anyone. And yeah. now you're trying to dispute that. Like, it's it put him in a weird position, like you said. Um, the best case scenario would be him going down and fighting Tim Zhu. I don't know how that happens within the next year. It do- I don't think it does. He probably demands that it is here, either in Vegas or in Texas. I think Tim Zhu is in position to beat him. I thought Tim Zhu would have beat him before. I did too. In a contested contest. I, I just don't know. I'm big on muscle memory in all sporting events. And uh, the Giants broke my heart again on Monday Night Football. But that's, that's something that's, like, very true to that. It's like people are like, oh, Daniel Jones regressed, right? Or this is Daniel Jones we saw two years ago. It's like, yeah, when you put him behind a bad line, all those bad habits come back. Because yeah. it's muscle memory from when he was taking all those hits behind a bad line. Last year, you put a million tight ends out there. The line got a little better. Andrew Thomas took a huge step up. He got comfortable. You built new habits when he has comfort in a pocket. But as soon as you have no pocket, the old habits come back. It's just muscle memory. Charlo built negative muscle memory in this fight. His next fight, I don't know if we just see the same Charlo. Canelo's that way. Canelo went from being a decent output guy with good slick defense, but slugging it out against Triple G and all the stuff, standing in the pocket, throwing to a lot of throwing a lot of punches, and then just built muscle memory, and now he doesn't throw as much anymore. So it's like, yeah, go back to the guy who fought Triple G that second fight. It's like he can't do that. He's built this up. It's so hard to just unteach that muscle memory. So same thing with Charlo. When you coast through a fight and just be like, oh, my next fight, I'm gonna turn it back on. It's like, it might be gone. No. You might not be that same, just stand there and, and counterpunch and catch people. You, you built bad habits even when you think you didn't. And that's, that's a tough, tough thing to do. If you just lose, 
fighting the way you do and it's a bad night or something happened. Teofimo is a great example of this. He lost to Cambosis. He had the lung thing, whatever that may be. Probably why he tried to knock him out in the first round. Shit went bad. He got knocked down, struggled to breathe. His cardio was shitty, but still fought like Teofimo Lopez. It was just, he didn't have the tank to do it. Knocked Cambosis down in the 10th, did all the shit he usually would do, just didn't have the strength behind him. He lost. But he didn't build negative habits. He didn't shell up. Yeah. He did the same shit. He just wasn't at 100%. So when he's at 100%, goes out there against Josh Taylor and schools him, it's like, no, this, this is the same guy it's always been. He's just healthier, maybe in a better frame of mind at that point for a quick second. He goes out there and he handles business. Charlo just gave an entirely different game plan, unspirited. And, and it's ugly. I don't know how people bounce back from that. Keith Thurman did that shit, and he hasn't been one time in, in a decade. And you're like, yo, what happened to all these knockouts? You can't get it back. Broner. Broner looked great. Started doing stupid shit, the shoulder roll, Philly shell, all this stuff. Could never go back to the old Adrian Broner. Now he just gets his ass whooped in a Philly shell every fight. It, it's so hard to break that muscle memory in those tendons. Well, it's not even just muscle memory. It's, it's, it's what I call knowing, learn, knowing how to lose. And here's what I mean by this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Errol Spence doesn't know how to lose. He fought like he didn't know how to lose, right? Like, he was getting his ass well, but he was fighting. Yeah. Right? Adrian Broner knows how to lose. When Adrian Broner lost to Marcos Maidana, like, he was fighting. But then he lost to Sean Porter. He didn't throw any punches, right? And he didn't throw a combination until he knocked him down, I think, the 11th or 12th round. Yep. But he knew how to lose. Like, his brain said, shut it down. I'm losing. Keith Thurman. Knows how to lose. When he's losing to Manny Pacquiao, he wasn't fighting anymore. He was he knew how to lose. Jamel Charlo now knows how to lose. So if he finds himself in a bad spot, you talk about muscle memory. This is memory. Yeah. I know I'm losing. I know how to lose. When you play video games and you think you are unbeatable, no matter what you're down by, you're still going to play your game, right? But if you've been beat by the same person or it starts looking familiar. You're, you shut down yeah, because you know how to lose. And what happened with Jamel is he just, he figured out he was going to lose and he went in survival mode. He didn't fight. He knows how to lose. So his next fight, that's when fighters start going, it ain't worth it no more. Right? You're getting your, like, when Sean Porter lost to Terrence Crawford, Sean still didn't know how to lose. But his dad saw him losing yeah. through in the towel, right? Because Sean, you know, beating on the, on the mat, even though I think Sean has said he had a horrible camp going into that fight, there were a lot of things going wrong for Sean around him, and he was one foot out the door in retirement. Yep. I, f I think Jamel's in that same spot now. You got all this money. What do you have to prove to anybody that you can't, that you actually want to prove? I don't think he wants to prove anything anymore. The way he handled himself at the post-fight press conference, he was like, I'm still proud of myself. And I fuck you. What are you proud of? That was horrible. He also said, at this point in my career, I'm only going for big money fights and all this. I'm like, what, what have you proved? But you're not even going to win big money fights. You're no. just trying to show up for just them. Just to get the check. Because I know how to lose. So yeah. if I go in there with somebody scary and I get hit, oh, I know how to lose. 
just make sure you don't get knocked. That's what Broner mastered. Yep. Don't get knocked out. You can still get a check. No one stops Adrian, bro. No, because he knows how to lose. Errol went for it, right? Like Thurman knows how to lose. Danny Garcia knows how to lose. Jamel Charlo knows how to lose. And now he's 33. He's, he's been prone to long bouts of inactivity, whether it's injury or just not fighting. Him and his brother have always thought they were worth more than what they were. And now you're in a spot where you just made 68. He said he, he hydrated his 74. He says he wasn't that big. He didn't even look great on the scale on Friday. Yeah. But I thought that was confidence-wise, but yeah, physique too. Yeah, but now you got to shrink back down to 54 after taking some time off with all this money. And now you're going to have to fight somebody who doesn't know how to lose if it's Tim Zhu. Furthermore, Tim Zhu wants what you have, which is those other titles. I don't think he wants what Tim Zhu has. He's had I, that belt. Yeah, I think what Jamel wants is he wants to wipe the embarrassment off of this fight. Like, he's going to go home after think about this, right? He's going to, like, I'm sure he got in his, his car or whatever and was reading Terrence Crawford just destroy him on social media. Destroyed him. That's demoralizing. Now you got to figure out what you're going to do with your career. I don't think we see it. I think he's going to get stripped of another belt. I don't think he's going to fight in the next year. That's the key. It's that a lot of the people talking about him now, you, you can kind of tune out and be like, yo, the Mexican fan base came for Canelo. They're talking shit, whatever, right? Like, cool. Terrence Crawford's tirade kind of hit Charlo's exact market. Yeah. So Charlo fan, like the black community, oh. was like, bro, really? Like you went out there, this is this for us. This is for You said culture. you were doing it for the culture. And you did this? Cam and Mace is just a cherry on top of that. Yo, people. Yeah. Shows you were just sitting down on during the build of this, chopping it up. Brandon Marshall came to see you. Yeah. Left like eighth round. Oh, bruh. Ninth round. Everybody was leaving. Yeah. Steven Jackson almost fought somebody on the way out. He stayed <laughs> the whole fight. He almost fought security guard. That was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> security guard got a little handsy with Steven Jackson. He was not having it. I'm like, damn. Steve so, seemed about to have a more competitive fight than Jamel did. Hands down. He had more fight in him. Yeah, he definitely. Got definitely. the dog in him. Yep. But nah, it's one of those things like, no, bro, like you embarrass yourself in front of the culture. Everybody. You say what you want. There was maybe 5% Charlo fans in the building. But of that 5%, like 2% was family. Yeah. The other 3% were people in the culture. Yeah. They came to see you. Black folk were on the floor to see you. Especially the ones that have said that Canelo won't fight a black fighter, yeah. even though they were wrong. But and they won the They left it. disappointed. Like, oh. come on, bro. It was it was so painful. You didn't even try. Yo, I this there were so many telltale signs for me throughout the fight week that you know at first I was like I give Jamel a chance because of Canelo's low output, but you can't beat Canelo by a decision in Vegas. Blah blah blah. But at least he can make a good account for himself. But the fight week his his. His, not talking to anybody, his walkout was bland. Like, his walkout just looked like a guy who was like, all right, I'm coming to get this bag right quick, Sam. and then I'm going to leave. And, like, you know, his his brother's all he clapping his hands, and I'm, and it's weird to me because I'm looking at Jamal, and I'm like, that was supposed to be your fight. <laughs> right? Like, and you're here, and you're watching your brother get schooled. and Taking pics with Bud? Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? Like, this is, like, dysfunctional right now. Because Canelo's not going to fight Jamal. There's no reason to. Jamal is going to fight Jose Benavidez Jr. So, yes. it, so it seems like on November 25th, which is crazy because it's a month away, and we know Jamal's had all these issues. It's two months. Uh, yeah. He's been in the gym with Roy starting two weeks ago. Yeah, but I okay. don't know why, but I mean, apparently. There's just a lot of things that concern me about this fight. Like Jamal's going to jump in to a fight with a guy who fought at 140 pounds who's now fighting at 160. And Jose Benavidez Jr., David Benavidez's older brother, got shot in the leg. Like, there's, <laughs> there's a lot going on here. But I'm looking at this fight, and I'm like, I don't even know if Jamal's going to win this shit because there's something wrong with his family. These two brothers got something going on. Something's not right. There's a disconnect. Yeah, it's not right, and I'm glad Jamal made his money, but I'm so disappointed by that performance. Now, I want to shift to Derek James. I saw some people was like, Derrick James is a bad trainer. There was nothing Derrick James could do about that fight. Nothing. 
at all. That's true. But now it's two fights in a row. Do you think he could have done anything to prevent uh, Errol Spence from getting his ass whooped by no, Terrence Crawford? That's a no, you guy. can't. You can't blame Derek James for this. I fighters fight. Yeah, trainers are overrated. Like Derek James, at least told him the truth. Dude. I appreciate that. In the corner, I went home. I watched some of the fight. Yeah, and he was just like, "You got to knock him, him out. out. Got to knock him out." Where he said it, it in the sixth round. You got to <laughs> knock him out because he knew you lost every round. Yes. You have to knock him out in the sixth round. Yeah. Derek James knew that his fighter was not ready. Like, he saw it in him. With Errol, he was like, you have to do this. Like, Errol still had fight in him. Yeah. He was just getting out class and out gun. Jamal, Jamel quit. And there was nothing that... It's hard to bring him back. Yeah, like, there's nothing that Derek James could do. And, I, I, you know, people was like, he got out coached. There was nothing he could do. Terrence Crawford doesn't get coached. Bo Mac, and I don't want to call Bo Mack a glorified cheerleader, but I feel like at a certain point in your corner becomes just the guys to, like, tell you, like, certain things. Oh, you're losing a fight. It got like the Sean Porter fight. Oh, are you missing this? He's doing this. Like, that's what a trainer does. But the best fighters in the world, I always said it with Floyd, with Crawford, with Ward, they make their adjustments. Yeah. A trainer can't do anything. There was nothing Jamel could have done. Like, Derek James could have told Jamel that would have changed the thing in that fight. There's nothing he could have done for Errol. Two minutes in that fight. I know what it was. It's like Brian Dayball watching uh, Daniel Jones last night. Can't do shit, but throw a... Was, he was like, I vouch for you and I'm watching you do the things that I know you're bad at, right? Every, you're being inaccurate. You're staring down receivers. I'm watch, I know what you can do and you're doing everything wrong. Yep. There's nothing I can do about that. So people that are getting on Derek James's case, I was like, don't get on Derek James's case. No. He's preparing the fighters, but there's just not, there's nothing you can do about Terrence Crawford. That's the key. It is the level of preparation. Mm -hmm. And that's when you're a coach, when you're a trainer, when you're a manager, baseball, whatever. That is your job. Your job during actual competition is very minute. Yeah. A lot of shit is out of your hands. People are like, oh, well, coaches call plays. All that shit's just throwing shit on the board. Yeah. Like, there's no rhyme or reason. Oh, he's a great play caller. No one's a great play caller. You have great players. That can run those yeah. plays. Andy, Andy Reid could turn around, close his eyes, just point to some shit on his play sheet. Patrick Mahomes, Patrick like, Mahomes is gonna make it look yeah. great. All right, <laughs> they spun in a circle last year, yeah, and just ran out and just did some whoop de doo shit. And Patrick Mahomes taught it doesn't matter what you call play calls and great play. Coaches don't do much in game. No, trainers don't do much in fight. It's just preparation. But you, it's preparation, and the good ones and the great ones can game plan and prep for multiple scenarios. Yeah. And that's when I was coaching football and like now being a journalist and watching like coaching at the highest levels, watching trainers at the highest levels. The reason why Bud is so good, the reason why Floyd is so good, it's not because in fights necessarily they just make these adjustments out of thin air. It's because they can recall adjustments that you've taught them and that's what makes them unique it's kind of like having a photogenic memory yeah it's a photographic memory it's like yo when you when you do this they can remember five weeks ago in the gym we went through this scenario and i got hit with this body shot and this guy was mimicking him and i remember that if i just clinch down and counter this is open and they recall that in an instant when they're on the stool or in the middle of a fight and those little tells and everything, they remember all those because you ran through all these scenarios. The moment is never too big for them. The fight is always so slow that they have this time to think. That's why they are great, but it's up to the coaches, the trainers and everything to prepare for all those scenarios. Derek James, the criticisms of him that I will take credence of is when someone says like, yo, you knew Errol has struggled against southpaws. You knew that, yes, Bud can switch, and he switched like maybe twice throughout the fight, but he's going to stand there in southpaw. So when he does so, the angles and everything else, Errol should have had a plan in place to make that switch, and it looks as though he had never seen this shit before. And that is when you are outclassed as a coach or as a trainer or anything else. When people are like, oh, my God, he threw an exotic blitz at him. Really? Because 
all this stuff is on tape. No one's reinventing the wheel. No one. Right. But it's one of those things where can you adjust? Have you seen it? Can you have these adjustments? And Derek James looks as though his fighters in these big fights prepare for one, maybe two scenarios. When you got to go deeper than that, they don't have that answer. They just stick to one and two. And that is a problem. That makes me wonder, and I'm not saying this is the case. Yo, is there too many? No. Are, are you training too many people? No. Are you, in terms of not in the gym at the same time, is it affecting the tape study? Because so many boxers say, I don't watch film. That's my trainer's job. It is. Is it affecting the tape study? Is it, a, is it affecting the one-on-one time? Where, where is it going wrong that this recall isn't there for your fighters or they haven't been put in A, B, C, D, E, F scenario to make an adjustment? All right. Here's, here's the answer to this. So another football analogy. Who's under center for the Jets right now? Zach Wilson. Who's the coach? Robert Sala. What does Robert Sala say? Publicly. Oh, he says this is our guy. He's our it's best our guy. What does Robert Sala know? This ain't the guy. Our guy's got one leg right now. You think Derek James is not aware that, that Errol Spence can't deal with southpaws? You can prepare a motherfucker all you want to throw the deep ball. Limited but if they ain't got it, yeah, they, they just ain't got, got it. it. But that doesn't mean you, you don't come out that night to fight. Right? You still got to fight. You just got to hope for the best. And that's what they do. Whenever Zach's under center in New York, they just hope. It almost had the best case scenario in Kansas City. You just got to hope for the best. It's just so crazy because it's, it's fighters whose career resume dictate that they're not Zach Wilson. It's fighters that's career resume dictate that they're Aaron Rodgers. They are Drew Brees. They are, like, they've done this for a high level at so long yeah. that when you were in in a game like the Super Bowl or the conference championship, all we ask is that you have a counter and you keep it close. They try. Some of them nope. try. They're getting blown out. This is the equivalent. I'm like, yo, you're a great. They are Kirk Cousins. But they're not. They're more talented than that. But they get into these big games, and it's not close in these big fights. It's not like, all right, you lost seven rounds to five. No. They, one went into survivor mode, tuck tail, and just like, yo, I'm happy with the check. The other was like, well, I guess I'm going down with the ship because there is no survival mode. One, because even if he had that game plan, there's none of that against Crawford because as soon as you're hurt, it's a landslide. It's an avalanche. Yes. But it's one of those things where it's just like, yo, I don't question him in the regular season games of boxing. <laughs> In the mandatory title defenses and the rematches, as you've shown with Charlo, gets, gets him prepared a lot for the rematch. Yeah. What the hell's going on with these big fights? Why? Where's the disconnect that in the biggest moments, it seems as though your fighter's fault. I think he's going to get Ryan Garcia ready perfectly fine for this next matchup, even though it's a tough yeah. matchup uh, against, who is it, Duarte? Yeah. Don't take a crack. He's on like 10 straight knockouts or something. They're going to throw hands. But I think you get Ryan ready for that. Well, yeah. And that's great. And then maybe another one if Ryan fights Rollies. Mm. Like you probably get Ryan ready for Rollies, knocks Rollies out. Cool. Then he's going to have to fight a Haney or Tiafimo. Let's see what you do against the highest level. Because at this point, that's the only thing Derek James is going to be. He's going to be judged on because he's a great trainer. But there's great coaches. Then there's Bill Belichick. Then there's Andy Reid. There's great coaches and great big game coaches. Well, you know, Bill Belichick had Tom Brady. That's right? fair. You know. But once you have the great, yes. But there's people with Aaron Rodgers who got one Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. That's why you're not them, right? Like some people, listen, Sean Payton's a great coach. Got one. Yeah. Endeavor struggling right now. Yeah. Gasping for air. Got one with arguably, statistically, the greatest quarterback of all time in Drew Brees. Look great. All the numbers are there. Got one. There's big game. There's levels after that. 
Derrick James is, is up there. Are you up there, up there? Are you world-class, big game for people to be flocking to you? I ain't coming to you for the mandatories. What are we going to do when it's a chess match, us against the best? And right now, the resume is not looking great in big fights. So who is, who is the best trainer in boxing? Shit, right now, I, I really, really like Lomachenko's dad. As a trainer, uh, we're talking like minds of preparation. He's never out of a fight. There's, there's been several big fights. Could have gone either way. He's never out of a fight. And a lot of fights he dominates. Lomachenko's dad's a really good trainer. Um, Reynoso's a really good trainer. But he has Canelo. He does. Right. But I liked what he did with Ryan. Ryan Bound. A lot of people don't like the way he trains. And he gives Canelo so much attention. But I think he does well if they stuck it through. Uh, I can't say Ryan's gotten exponentially better since he's left Reynoso. No. So I, I think Reynoso is really good. Um, and even with Canelo, when Canelo comes up short, Canelo is not like getting washed. Canelo's game plan is good. Even as he kind of is on the back end of things, they figure out ways to win to make sure he does what he does well. So I think Reynoso is is good. It, it's so tough because your guys, how many people train a stable of people? I mean, there's a lot. That I mean, that's the thing. Like, Freddie, like high level people, like Freddie Roach, that trains a lot of fighters. Yes, right. Freddie's really, but his his a lot of his guys, they do. Yeah. But his relationship with Manny Pacquiao is what made Manny great. Like he found what Manny needed to do, mm-hmm. and he fixed Manny because he saw, oh, there's a lot of talent here. I gotta unlock that talent. Give that man a right hand. Yeah, it's like that's what that's what great trainers do. But they can't fight for you. Once you get in that ring, that's on you. They can they can tell you, oh, this this will work. This will. like there was nothing Freddie Rose could do for Manny against Floyd. Nothing, no. nothing. There's nothing he could do. There's not and like man, if Freddie's so honest over the years, because he was like, I would ne- I never wanted him to fight Terrence Crawford because I knew what would happen. Right? Some trainers they know their fighters are gonna get fucked up. Jamel Charlo was never supposed to win that fight. He was underdog for a reason. That's but, fair, but, but all of your fighters can't lose big fights. The problem is, it's, it's two fighters who we, fa- we fucked around and found out with Terrence Crawford, right? A 50-50 fight ended up being an absolute blowout. Yes. But there's nothing you could do about it because Terrence Crawford is Terrence Crawford. Sure. Right? But Jamel Charlo, this wasn't a strategic error. No, he was outclassed as well. This wasn't even getting outclassed. This was a quit. <laughs> sure. This was a guy who just decided, I'm not going to do anything. Showed up for the check. Like, if you when you watch... I said it like as soon as I was like, he's giving up his space immediately. Yep. Like, I guarantee you, Derek James, the entire catch, shoot the jab. Yep. You're the bigger fighter, put him out the, on the end of your jab. Stay in the middle of the ring. Keep your back off the ropes. What does he do as soon as the bell rings? Backs into the ropes. And he doesn't yeah. throw the jab. Yep. And Canelo's looking around like, yo, you mean he ain't going to do shit? I'm just going to just load up and throw these body shots. Canelo didn't even sit down between rounds. No, <laughs> he didn't. That's how embarrassing Jamel was. Yeah. Derek James, like, you're making me look bad. Yeah. Right? Like, I got you ready for this fight. But Derek James also has this thing. Derek James has two guys who like to drink. Jamel and Errol. Sure. Right? Which makes you wonder, like, how they come into camp. How prepared are they really? Now he's got two projects. Ryan and Anthony Joshua. Can he fix them? I don't know if a trainer can fix what's broken. Right? Ryan Garcia... Needs confidence. He's yes. been bouncing from trainer to trainer to find, and we don't know if it's I want somebody to tell me yes, or if I want somebody to challenge me. I don't know what it is with Ryan, Joe Goosen, Chepo, Reynoso. Now he's with Derek James. I don't know what Ryan's looking for. You got knocked out by Tank Davis with a body shot. Probably nothing you could do about that. No. You were in over your head. Joe Goosen was an offensive trainer. He was not a defensive trainer. You were going to get knocked out in that fight, right? Like, your best weapon is your offense. You couldn't do anything. Anthony Joshua has been shell-shocked since the Andy Ruiz fight. Only thing Derek and James can do is try to fix a broken toy. The toy's still the same. He ain't going to be more limber. He's not going to look great on his resume. Again, these were arguably his best two chances to be like, yo, he is that guy as a trainer. And uh, he came up short. It's not going to get better. My point is every trainer has highs and lows. Every trainer, Freddie Roach is called one of the greatest trainers of all time. There was a year that he was getting wiped out. Like yeah. all his fighters were losing. There's nothing you can do about it. Like you're going to lose. 
People that are blaming Derrick James are like just taking the onus off of Jamel Charlo. He fought a terrible, terrible fight, and that's on him. Yeah, I don't think you could blame him, but it also doesn't look great for the train. Like, it's a guy who's like, yo, he's arguably trainer of the year last year. He's in the running. And then... I don't even know what that means. Trainer Amir, you just got a really great fighter. Like, you could say Bo Max the greatest trainer in boxing, right? Yes. Is he? I think there's a stable. Like, Red is really good. They, I mean... Like, you know, they, they got, like, a crew. It's just hard because, yeah. like, saying that Roger Mayweather is the best trainer in the world because he had Floyd. Floyd... How many times we watch a fight and Floyd is not even listening to the corner? Yeah. He's just looking. Because what is he doing? He knows what he has to do. Yeah. Like... I mean, Tank talks to people. Yeah. In the corner. Like, just, my uh, aimlessly, his trainer talking directly. Like, he him. has a great relationship with Calvin Ford. Yes. Right? And it, Calvin Ford is the one person to get him to listen. Yeah. That's it. That's all Tank needs. Somebody to sit his ass down. Mike Stafford, got rest his soul, he passed away last week. Stafford was really good with Broner early on. Yeah. And, may I told the story. When I shot the Adrian Broner documentary, Life of Times, in 2013, I'm sitting with Stafford, and we're, film, we're shooting an interview with Stafford. And after we're done, me and Mike Stafford are talking. And Stafford was like, Nobody else can reel this boy in. If I lose him, it's over. Right? Like, because he doesn't listen. I'm the only person that can get him and his twin, he used to come around all the time, to sit down and listen. But the day that Adrian Broner got beat up by Marcus Madonna, and what did he do? He blamed Mike Stafford. He blamed training. He blamed everybody else. As a trainer, there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah. So the trainer of the year, it's like, it's such a weird it's, thing it's because be it's, it's, it, the only the guy can fight. That's it ain't gonna it. be easy against Joshua if he ends up fighting Wilder. No, what? I can't protect you from getting punched in the face by that man. No, but you can, like Tyson Fury and Kronk and everybody. They said, you know, he went to Kronk. He got that. Shit. They sat down and like, yo, what's the game plan against this guy? This one at the time there was no game plan against this guy, and they looked at the first fight when I think Fury was still with Ben Davison, and it was like, yo, this is what's missing. Sugar Hills. I'm telling you, you have to be an offensive fighter. You're big as shit. You're not using any of this. I can teach you how to sit down on your punches, use this size, because no one in the history of boxing has had this size. And I guarantee you, we're going to go in there, we're going to beat this man. And Tyson Fury was like, Kronk, baby, Detroit. And he just yeah. went crazy. He was like, all right, fuck it, let's do it. And they went, and he mollywhopped. Yeah, he, un he unlocked him. Yeah, that, that is an entirely different sitting down and be like, yo, this is what you do. This is how you beat this guy. And we're going to go and put this game plan out and see how it goes. And that that's good. That's what a trainer can do. Now, if shit went different in the ring, you cannot control in the third fight, fearing getting knocked down twice and him getting up. Because it was like, oh, God, I thought we had this fight and dropped him. But Fury got up and he was like, all right, I, I got a horse over here. I don't know. I want to put this guy, damn guy down. All right, what are we doing? Back to the game plan. Yeah. And wore Wilder's ass out. Can Joshua do the same? Do you have the same game plan? Are you saying, well, you're not as imposing and don't have the same things as Fury. So what can we do to make it so that we can get Wilder tired? So we can take him into the fifth and sixth and he's gassed and we can knock his ass out because it shows that we can do that. But he's went 10 rounds, 12 rounds with other people and caught them in the 10th and it's a wrap. Did that shit with Fury in the 10th and almost knocked him out in the first fight. So how do we get him tired going the distance? Well, that's how do we force him to work without getting caught? So that's things Derek James now has to put in place for Anthony Joshua. And he can't just go out there and be like, well, yeah, just dance around the ring. Keep your jab good, solid. No, Wilder's going to catch him. No, but, he's, he's, he's going to tell him all those things. But unless you're in sparring with a fucking wrecking ball and hit him in the face with it, you don't know how he's going to react. <laughs> that's the problem, right? Like in sparring, I can't hit you with a sledgehammer in the face. No. That's what Deontay Wilder has. Yeah. And nobody in training is going to mimic that power. Style, maybe. But it's 12 rounds. Eventually, you're going to get hit with that. Yeah. I can't save your chin. I can't take the bullet for you. So if you get punched in the face and you go down, I can't train you how to get up. Tyson Fury has the innate ability to take a punch and get up. Yeah. Sugar Hill, Ben Davidson, none of them could do that for him. Nobody taught him. Like, no. what all Sugar Hill did was unlock the gifts, right? They were there, and he was like, oh, you're fucking 6'9", damn near 300 pounds. Sit down, right? Nobody can hurt you. Sit down. Don't be scared. There's no reason to box like a lightweight as a heavyweight. You still can move. Sit down on your punches. Changed everything for him. But you look at Anthony Joshua, Anthony Joshua's kind of robotic, right? He's so muscular. 
Yeah. That everything is the like bodybuilder. Yeah, he's got he's got that physique, but there's really nothing you can do defensively to t- teach him how to not leave the jab out there too long. Like you're gonna teach him to keep his hand high. But Deontay Wilder don't care about where your hand is. He's gonna punch through all that shit. Right through it. You know the Mortal Kombat X-ray like yeah. moves where they're breaking bones? That's what happens to Deontay Wilder punches you. Some crack man at the top of the forehead put him out. Yeah, it's just it's nuts what he does, and Derrick James can't fix that. But his stable is his stable. We'll see what happens. What does Canelo do next? So, did we talk about this on the show? Last show? I'm sticking with my prediction of Badu Jack will be nice. Oh, you did talk about it. I don't think um, that's it. It's May. May's a long time away. Yeah, it ain't going to be Badu. So, I, I think Badu's in there. Badu wants to cut down, take, a, take the check. I don't believe Crawford's going to get the fight. There's weight classes for a reason, and... That's not two. That's three weight classes. 21 pounds. Yeah, and Canelo didn't seem like he was really entertaining that. He was no. like, no, he's not in the plans. Obviously, him and Heyman have a plan. I don't know if they have a plan. He, he Clearly, in the post-fight, it was like, yo, he's not. No, Crawford's not in the plan. Like, he's talked through a, like, sat down without Heyman. We now know this because we had Leonard on the show. And yeah. Canelo went and actually sat face-to-face with the faceless man and chopped it up. And Heyman was probably like, yo, here's, here's my three-fight plan. Except the first fight was, yo, you're going to fight Big Charlo. Big Charlo's like, yo, I ain't ready for this work. Little Charlo's like, I'll step in. And Canelo's like, all right, whatever. They look the same. But fights two and three are probably fairly mapped out. Um, I think Benavidez, if he is in the cards, it's three. I don't think there's anything he can do to to change that. So once once you go there, I, I think the only thing for Canelo in the meantime is higher weight classes. Like, he wants to do something different and historical at this point. No one's going to give him a mandatory. None of these sanctioning bodies, so he's cool. So it's it's just, yeah, I think he wants to do something historic. I, I don't think Better Bev will be in position, unless he can be named a mandatory nah. for Better Bev by some grace of God. WBC is weird, B. You said nah, but like... Yeah, but I don't think they're going to go that route. I, I don't know, but I, I think it'll have to be something bigger. And I, I just don't know what who else is there for him at 68. That's, I mean, look, man, if Benavides is fighting Demetrius Andrade and the winner's WBC interim title still, and eventually you think Mauricio Suleiman was like, all right, motherfucker, like you have yeah. to fight him. That's it gives you like a year, though. Yeah, but that's what you'd like to see happen. I don't think the Badu Jack fight is going to happen because Canelo wants to bring him down. And Badu can't just, he can't make 180 pounds. Yeah. So, and he's not going to just do it to take money and get hurt. Like, that's, he wants to be a champion and have, you know, nice little reign. He doesn't want to be fed to somebody. Man has a little bit of pride and integrity. Mm-hmm. So, to me, the, your options are if Jamal Charlo beats Jose Benavidez, bad and talks a big game and says I'm avenging my brother's loss alright you create a narrative you could do that single to buy a weekend nobody wants it but they'll find a way to market it sidebar they did a horrible job marketing this fight it was bad there was no ads in, the, in football there was nothing no but you create a narrative Jamal pe- versus Kentucky. allegedly they're in between deals we don't know what their deals yeah, are going to look sure. like for 2024 Whatever. they lost Fox already so yeah. it's not like you have that partnership to put it on TV it's a weird spot in terms it of marketing is. But we didn't see anything. So that, there you have Jamal. Yeah. The Benavides fight, Canelo once again is like acting like he does, he's not interested in that fight, which he very well may not be. Because he Canelo has a weird thing right now where he's going, what has he done? Well, yeah, he's a two-time WBC champion. He's beating up just about everybody he's putting up in front of you. That, like, you stop Caleb, but he bludgeoned Caleb. Like, you should fight him. He's Mexican. He's coming for you, what you have. Canelo doesn't seem interested. The Crawford fight gets interesting because it's 21 pounds. Yes. And there is a case that could be made, and it depends on the mindset that Canelo has. Like, you're not going to make more money fighting anybody but him. He's at the peak of his powers and his marketability right now. If you fight him, you will make a lot of money. But if Canelo's on the side of, I don't care about money, I care about legacy. If I beat a smaller guy, it won't matter. 
The fight ain't happening. Yeah, I already did this once before. It did nothing for my life. But the more people start chirping and saying Terrence Crawford can beat him, eventually Canelo's going to be like, I need to shut this little motherfucker up. Yeah. Right? I don't think anyone's chirping that yet, though. It's not like an overwhelming clamor. There's there's a decent amount of people asking for the fight, right? There's a decent, like... 75-25 Benavidez? Maybe people are clamoring for that. The casual boxing fan wants Canelo and Crawford because they don't know about weight classes, nor do they care. They just know that Crawford and Canelo are two of the best fighters in the world, and they should fight each other. Benavidez, who? That's how they look at it. Hardcores like us are saying, that guy's a problem, David Benavidez. But it's not going to make as much money as a Crawford and Canelo fight. So it depends on which side of the street that Canelo is looking at. He could fight Jamal Charlo, but Jamal's going to have to look extraordinarily great against yeah. Benavidez Jr. And even then you go, your brother sucks. I can't imagine you being much better, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like I, I can't imagine it. And then, you know, there's still people talking about the Bival fight. It's never happened. Just hang it up. And Canelo does not ever need to see Dimitri Bival in the boxing ring ever again. Yeah. Just hang it up. <laughs> but I, my, the only thing I'm really concerned is with is him keep saying that the old Canelo's back. And I just don't know that to be true until he fights somebody that actually tests him. And nobody's tested him. Charlo won't be that. Big, Big Charlo. Charlo won't. No. He's got, dude. No. 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 It won't. Jamal's not. I, he's got too much shit going on. Like, it's just too much. So, we'll see. I mean, if it ends up being Terrence Crawford, boy, that's a huge fight. But, I Canelo fight is such a tiny guy. And he keeps using what Crawford said against him. Yeah. When Crawford said he wouldn't fight Tank because Tank's too small, Canelo's like, aha, got you. Yeah. It's the same Same thing. reason. Say, I'm not going to fight you. No. There's nothing. There's nothing. I don't for get me anything out of it. Yeah. Yeah. If you beat me, your legacy is crazy. Yeah. If, if I win, nobody cares. And that, Canelo's still chasing legacy. And so I get why you would say Badu Jack. I just don't see a scenario where Canelo's going to find his way up to damn near 200 pounds. To fight Badu Jack. It's got to be at like one night. And even then, Al Heyman and like, they're like, that fight ain't going to sell shit. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah, I think it's just singing the Meyer weekend and you can pose it as Canelo going to be the first five division Mexican champion or something. Like yeah. That. I don't know. Mexican born champion because I think Oscar did it, but I don't think they count that. Well, <laughs> they'd be doing Oscar dirty. Uh, last thing to talk about before we get out of here then, Floyd Mayweather's. Teasing an exhibition, according to Dan Raphael, could take place December 9th here in Vegas, which would be the same weekend as Devin Haney. Yeah, I don't see this happening. Same weekend as Top Rank runs MSG. Floyd Mayweather with an undercard of Keith Thurman versus someone and Danny Garcia versus Law. This is a joke. Like, the only reason why this would happen is if the rumors that Showtime is not going to be doing championship boxing next year are true and they're trying to get one more pay-per-view in before the year and Tank's not fighting. And they're like, they're hitting the bat phone and like, Floyd! That's it. Floyd's like, I ain't fighting no real fight. I'll do an exhibition. You got to get these two other fuckers paid? Put them on my own card. That's the only reason I can see that happening, but... Just stack the deck. Be like, yo, look, our last pay-per-view yeah. did this. Sign uh, us. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's the same night as the pro-grade fight. And I, I'm still Floyd was in the locker room with Carmel after the fight. He was like, Carmel might fight on my exhibition card. Like, he kind of let it slip. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sure Floyd is planning it. I... I just don't know if it'd be through Showtime. Yeah, I don't know if it'd be through Showtime. I know he has a little deal with Zeus, and Carmel was sponsored by Zeus. Yes, he was. He said he got way more than his actual fight purse through Zeus. I don't know where Zeus gets all this money. I don't know. Because I don't, I don't people speak like on, you are subscribing to this. And I, don't, these, I don't speak on black people's pockets. God yes, damn. Yes, my, my daughter does. I'm pocket watching like a motherfucker. <laughs> I, need to, I need to know. Like, Baddies East really getting all these fools paid? Yo, my daughter legit just signed up because Baddies East is oh starting a new God. season. But whatever the case may be, it feels like Floyd would fight for, like, Zeus. It's either that or he's always hitting other markets, like other countries. Yeah. Like he was going after the Saudi bag. Yeah. Vegas ain't got no Saudi bag. So I... Somebody got to give him an upfront. Yeah, and it's just, like, who are you fighting? I know that they've been talking about the Gotti, uh, the third rematch yes. again. Which, I... They that's, got some beef, some that, heat. That's one fight that I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be there. <laughs> after the last Bro, one... we'll be there. We run it. Man, we run it. Jocelyn Hernandez beating women up in the in, oh in the thing. My God. Then I ended up watching. Uh, my wife had me watch Zeus. This is why they were fighting on Jocelyn's cabaret. I was like, Oh my God, the storyline is on this network. But John Gotti the a third show with the Fifty Cent just fucking bulletproof uh, vest on. Yeah, John Gotti the third against Floyd Mayweather could happen. I don't know if Vegas even wants that liability. So I I don't know. And then 
What I don't know what's going on with Danny Garcia because he was supposed to fight Arasandi Lara and then he just kind of disappearing. Lara's just getting older. Yep. Like, he ages fast. Like Cubans, when they start aging, aging, ooh, oh. it's fast. No, they're going to fight here in a second. So They're just waiting to figure out. It, that's the fight that you would yeah. make for Lara and Garcia, right? Yeah. Like, it's a fight to make. Because I think if Floyd doesn't do the ex- ex- exhibition, um, you just got to put Lara and Garcia on their own car. So where's Keith Like in go? December. You think Keith is itching to fight? I think Keith's like, yo, if you need me to fight, I'll fight on this card. Yeah. I think Keith would be. I think the rumor was Staniosis. He is not fighting. No, he ain't fighting Staniosis. He'd be nuts if he did. Yeah. <laughs> but not if no Keith is on world. the same card as Danny Garcia, he ain't going to be the co-main event. He won't accept that. No, no. If Floyd yeah. is out of the picture, I think you keep Keith until next year. Yeah. And you give Keith his own card, like in Florida. You do that. But I think if you want to stack a Floyd card, they'd all be on there because it's pay-per-view and get a little change and all that stuff. But if Floyd is like, no, I'm doing mine on Zeus, then Showtime be like, all right, Danny, we're just going to close out the year with you and Lara. Yeah. You guys will fight in December, and then we'll put whatever on that undercard. And then Keith, you'll fight in January. But if you do that, someone's going to run into boots. Well, So you low-key want to fight anybody else before they be like yo yeah you'll fight next year here goes this money but you gotta fight him yeah I don't know if anybody wants to do that no cause Crawford's gonna start vacating these belts in a second yeah I think Crawford somebody gotta somebody gotta fight Boots all that's happening right now is Crawford's telling Spence you gotta fight at 47 Spence is like no 54 and Crawford's like just go ahead and sign this paper and say you're not gonna do it right like that once you sign this paper I'm free that's all Bud needs to do is be free of Errol Spence because I don't think there's any universe that's going to convince Terrence Crawford to bump that fight up to 54. He's not interested. No. And Spence has to say, no, I can't fight at 47. I think that's all they're waiting on. Once they sign that off, shit, you can do Keith Thurman versus Errol Spence. Yeah, I, I think that's the perfect fight. You go right to it. And Terrence, you vacating? Cool. The, we do this for interim title, and we'll elevate you to full as soon as... Terrence and the sanctioned bodies say, fuck you, United. As soon as he declares he's moving up, it's a wrap. But everybody's waiting on Terrence Crawford now. Like, everybody's just waiting. And really, everybody's waiting on Errol Spence to say, no, I can't find him at 47. I don't know what they're dragging out. I think they're trying to negotiate a wait. It's just, I know what Terrence, everybody knows what Terrence Crawford's doing. Yep. Like, there's a weird Facebook group that gets thrown on my feed sometimes where they keep talking about VADA testing and Terrence Crawford's taking drugs. Like, I don't know if you've seen this, but it drives me nuts. Like, the reason he doesn't want to do is because he get, but no, it has nothing to do with that. No. If you see these Facebook groups, like, ban them. They're the worst. They yeah, just they make do. up shit. But all he's doing is just waiting them out. Yep. He's trying to, he get, immediate rematches suck, especially when you douse the man in flames and burn him alive. Now it's like, I gotta fight this corpse again? No. So he's trying to find a way out of it. He gets out of it. It opens the door for everybody. But until then, we don't know. Maybe Floyd fights in a, a pay-per-view on December. Like, I can't even imagine, like, how many people buy this shit? Devin Haney's on pay-per-view that night. Yo, the zone is... Oh. <laughs> so, what are we talking? Yo, they... The zone has been so bad because KSI and Tommy Fury is next week. That's a pay-per-view. Yeah. Right? Pro Gray and Haney's a pay-per-view. Yep. Right? And they, they had to call Oscars, like, please get Ryan to fight for free. Yep. Like, on a free television. Ryan's like, I just need to fight. You know, just pay him whatever. But, God... His own man, he, I work for y'all. Y'all raping people right now. Well, Ryan can't be on pay per view because obviously his contract says if he's on pay per view, he can fight in anywhere. Yeah, and he wouldn't then be on pay per view on the zone. He just needed to get back fight, but the zone yeah. is raping people. My so God. it's 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 tough. We'll see how that all, you know, shakes out. It's going to be an interesting, interesting couple of weeks in boxing. Again, we have KSI coming up versus Tommy Fury, uh, Logan Paul, and Dylan Dennis on the same card. Looks like Dylan Dennis might actually show up. I think he's going to show up. So we're, we're going to get that fight. We have Fury and Ganu with Usyk sitting ringside to see what happens because Fury and Usyk is going to go down. So so many things happening this month and other little fights peppered in there uh, as we go on. So we'll, we'll end it here and we'll come back next week and we'll recap some of the fights from this weekend that's going on um, and you know just give the grand landscape of boxing. But it was great recapping that. Hopefully you guys all had some fun watching this fight. It's a pleasure than watching uh, Charlo take an ass whooping. 
Canelo, Canelo would give one. I was really mad. That fight ended, and then like Canelo showed up in his pajamas at like one in the morning at midnight. Yep. And I was like, how's he get to be in his pajamas and I can't? Damn shit. I'm so tired. Gotta start wearing pajamas to these fights. Me too. Yeah. In the meantime, make sure you guys follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter, Corner Club for Life on Instagram, Corner Podcast everywhere else. Check us out on YouTube as well, the Corner Podcast on there. Thank you to everyone here in Blue Art Studios, Wynn Resort in Las Vegas. We'll be talking wrestling on Thursday. Uh, Friday for you guys. So make sure you guys tune into that. Tons of wrestling to catch up on there. There was a little bit of a surprise in AEW. A little so, bit. Uh, our wrestling fans, it's going to be one hell of a show then. So we appreciate y'all. Until next time, we're out. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.